quick point um, of personal privilege. Yes. We slam it like nobody's business. This is Armstrong and Getty. When you guys are supposed to cheer. What do you call it? Uncomfortable clarity? I'm funny how. I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I am usually. Hey, man. All right, go, go. <clears throat> I'm ready. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. I believe this fully. And it's tough to to not just sound like it's more talk radio hyperbole right. in the world of talk radio and cable news hyperbole. But we might be going through, I think we are going through, as interesting a time as has existed in hundreds of years on planet Earth. Keeping in mind that Henry Kissinger, who was uh, one of the great geopolitical thinkers, everybody agrees on that. He was Secretary of State. 50 years ago. Even if you hated him, he was a mover of uh, tectonic plates. He wrote a book a couple of years ago called World Order, and he said there's more world disorder than there has been in almost 500 years. That's saying something. And that just the entire idea of uh, Western civilization and its dominance over the world is breaking apart, and that that is going to just unleash all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, almost all of it horrifically ugly. I would Pro- guess. Probably before some other order comes about, and who knows how long yeah, that could take. We will, we will keep order. And, and, you know, how long that could take. And you got this situation with, and this, this is in the news today. So we are not going to sell our best military planes to Turkey, a NATO ally, because they decided to go ahead and take the Russian um, anti-aircraft system. Right. And we don't want those two meld together, and we're worried that they'll take information, our secret information from our best plane and give it to the Russians, blah, blah, blah. Why is this important? Turkey is the most powerful country, militarily speaking, in NATO. The most powerful military in NATO, outside of the United States, obviously, is Turkey. Wow. And they are now in bed with the Russians. Yeah. How long do As they a get to stay of NATO? Yeah, yeah. So Well, you... and and one more layer on this if I might. The uh, Obama administration was trying to work out this missile defense deal too and they couldn't come to a deal with Turkey and now the Trump administration's in the same boat, which is why the Turks turned to the Russians, but the reason both of the administrations were hesitating to sell them these advanced uh, missile defense systems is uh, Erdogan and the Turkish regime has sung, swung so far toward the Islamist that we don't know if we can trust them. We don't know what kind of frenemy they are anymore. So I'm just using these news stories of today to make the overarching point. So you got the Turkey-NATO thing. The greatest disorder in the world in the last 500 years. Of, of not having a stable, this is, you know, how things are going to be. Who knows where it's going to go? You've got, obviously, the political situation that's going on, as both parties are just tearing themselves apart, and all over the country, all the democracies, the major parties are have either disappeared or they're being torn down. And what news is going to come out of that? Nobody has any idea. Then you throw in the Internet and social media, taking another story from today. Twitter has decided to hide the number of likes that you get from your viewers, seeing if maybe that will help with the whole I'm so caught up in likes and it's destroying my self-image and making me crazy thing. But, wow, I hadn't heard that. People are being driven like that. People are being driven to suicide and opioid abuse because of social media and it's tearing apart of politics all of these things happening at the same time there might not 
B, you'd have to go maybe go back to the Middle Ages when there's been this much chaos at such a high level all around the world and in every aspect of our lives. Right, and even more than the change is the pace of change. Right. You can't, I mean, you, you yeah. can have one kingdom after another, or queendom? Is that a word? Uh, owning Florida. You know, one after the other over the course of like 310 years. But that's fine. Yeah. You know, the, the, the people adjusted. They went back to chewing on each other's faces and getting yeah. eaten by gators. You go back to the Middle Ages, you had all kinds of chaos, but things were going to be roughly the same in 10 years. Right. Even if it was terrible. There's no telling what things are going to be like in 10 years. Yeah. Just absolutely no telling what countries might be at war, who the dominant powers are, what the political parties will be like, how we live our lives with social media and 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 and. and People not getting married and having and, kids and anymore. Socialism, and, for that matter. No, I don't think. Do you think that's hyperbole? That's no. just. I, no, I, I don't think it is at all. We've always it mocked. might be fine, honestly. Oh sure, oh sure. People will try as hard as they can to find solutions as we go, but it's going to be an enormous challenge, at least. We've always mocked the idea that you know these are such bad times. To how could you have a child in this world? And well, there's always still stupid, there's always but... been crazy times, but there's never been this much disorder in politics with the biggest countries the uh the, the relationships between the, the different countries and then the internet how that throws everything up in the air absolutely everything the economy jobs how are people going to be making a living in 20 years nobody AI, knows right uh, throw in ai throw in nuclear proliferation and uh, yeah you got you got an interesting stew god i'd say and if and if you're getting caught up in the day-to-day, Trump tweeted this about AOC Trump and she tweeted back. Mean. Geez, you're missing this whole story. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's how bad our media is and how dumb our politics are. But you know, I don't, I don't know that there's any choice but to just kind of, you know, get on uh, the surfboard of life and ride out the changes in the waves. Right. It's impossible to anticipate where this stuff's going. Or I, I hope I live long enough to see how some of this stuff turns out. I watched Trump last night with just that, that, you know, looking at the big picture aspect. I, did I say picture? I meant to say picture. Um, looking at the big picture aspect of this, of this, like, like France, like Italy, like Brexit and Great Britain, like every other country, we are changing our politics. We are, we are recreating the parties or the parties are going away. Trump last night is part of it, just Mm -hmm. the big picture of it, as opposed to they're chanting this, and what does that mean? uh, Whatever. Well, as many smart people have observed, uh, Trump did not create the wave. He wrote on it. No way. And there are a lot of issues with... With your standard model of Western republics, I hate to use democracy because we're not a democracy, but anyway, there's there are a, a bunch of issues that have arrived that our modern democracies are getting more and more corrupt and, uh, you know, the, the deficit spending, the politics are getting dumber, the, you know, socialism, which is a system which never will work and never can work is creeping in. And so it could be argued that, all right, we need these changes again. We're not creating the wave. The wave was created by the various things I mentioned, and that we, the people, are finally understanding these political parties aren't representing us at all. They're representing themselves. They're representing the government, which is now its own giant, rich uh, constituency. And so people are saying, yeah, that's no good. We need change. Now, unfortunately, to my mind, the change that we're asking for is all the wrong change. But it's in- I guess what I'm saying is a lot of this is inevitable. We'll smear Wolf Blitzer in honey and have him roll in candidates' pictures. 
That is hilarious. Yeah. I might actually have to tune into that and see and just to see I tell you what, how it's... over the top they take this in attempt, uh, attempted spectacle. Well, the very premise of the thing is fully into so bad it's good. Oh, oh no doubt. I mean, it's, it's so idiotic. I can't even believe somebody thought it was a good idea, but... Yeah, I may have to watch. So they have the debate I'm taking it? So they'll have the little blower machine going, the ping pong ball come up, and it's Marianne Williamson! Marianne Williamson! So, Mr. President, if you're listening... (laughs) They'll play a a quote of hers, a little video, and then they'll have her picture go across the screen, bonk, into night one. There's a good video of Marianne Williamson at one of her deals the other day with a big giant crowd, and she had all the white people in the audience stand up and turn around and apologize to the black people in the audience <laughs> for something. Unless all the white people broke wind, I just don't <laughs> think that's really appropriate. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. You know, I had my smartphone with me mostly. And I'd see news alerts pop up, and I'd think, eh, it's interesting, and just move along with my life. So I was dimly aware of what was happening in the news, but just dimly. As Judy and I, we um, we explored uh, Bend, Oregon, a place we love very much, where our son lives, and uh, kayaked and, and played golf and, and hung out with him. And, oh, you know what, Jack, you'd have loved this. Um, we did a little pass the guitar with uh, me and my son and his songwriting partner, Darian. Always a good time. And just, uh, yeah, drank and, and played songs into the night. It was absolutely fantastic. And then uh, went on to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and also checked out uh, Sandpoint, Idaho, which is stunningly beautiful. Coeur d'Alene is, too. But, uh, and we had a hell of a good time, but it, it became obvious to me one thing. Coeur d'Alene is not a huge uh, population center. And it's pretty dang chilly in the wintertime, but in the summer, it's it's just idyllic. It's gorgeous. It's this amazing lake. It's got rivers running in directions, woods and mountains, and just people are there boating and sunbathing and playing in every way humans do. It's a vacation paradise. Um, if you're trying, especially if you're you know living in a hot part of the country, you want to escape the heat. But because it doesn't have a huge native population, it's all hands on deck. Like, every kid within 100 miles, if they're not working full-time in the summertime, it's because they don't want to. Because there are so many tourists there and so, so much demand. For instance, so Judy and I take this rafting trip. on the. It was on the Coeur d'Alene River. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was gorgeous. And it was, it was kind of a calm raft. It was more like scenic, wildlife, class one rapids, but nothing um, if you're into, like, thrill-seeking. But our guide was this thoroughly delightful young man, terrific kid, fabulous. Be proud to call him my son, and he was very good at steering the raft. But we'd say, like, oh, wow, the water's incredibly clear. What, what kind of fish is that? Be like, eh. I think it starts with a B. Literally, he said, I think it starts wow. with a B. And I'm like, okay, all right. Um, and uh, he'd say, oh, that's definitely a trout. That's a trout right there. And I, he, you know, I'd fish he, a He's got to learn the art of making stuff up. Right. Well, we saw one hairy beast slip into the water, and he declared it a beaver. And I have no reason to doubt it was a beaver, but it could have been any number of beasts. <laughs> but he said it was a beaver, and I thought, well, okay. And I, I acted excited, because it was fun. You know, there it was. Sure. But there's beavers like where I live. <laughs> I can walk like 150 yards out my front door and go look at a beaver if I want. But So it was, it was good. But So he was obviously a fit young man who could steer a raft. But as a nature guide, damn. And then we go to... No. <laughs> Some sort of fish. That over there is a tree of some sort. Look, a bird. Actually, he was very enthusiastic about 
point out ducks. And they were they were very That's a mallard. There are no mallard. There there were these very attractive, uh, kind of funky looking ducks that are different from the ducks around my house. So if you like ducks, there are ducks to look at. Uh, but he was particularly enthused because we'd said we wanted to see wildlife. There are no moose. Saw no zero moose. No mooses. Had our eyes peeled the entire time. But so, but again, a hell of a nice kid. So then we go pay a ridiculously high uh, fee to play golf there at the Coeur d'Alene Resort Course, legendary for its floating green out in Lake Coeur d'Alene. You hit over the, and you actually take a boat out to the green. It's hilarious. The green what? floats? Yeah. So it's artificial turf? Um, no, actually. It's a giant floating, like, barge shaped more or less like a golf course green. It's kind of a semicircle with some wrinkles. Hmm. Um, and it's got green and some rough and some flowers and stuff like that. It's actually, it's as novelties go, it's a great novelty. It's a little uh, putt-putt miniature golf-ish, but uh, at, a, a, it, at a higher it, level. No, but it's an, yes. As a novelty yes, idea. Yes, yes, it is. And I see your point, yeah. And <laughs> I actually, I was going to play you the video, maybe I will later. I and all the guys, gals in our group and our caddy were 100% certain I'd made a hole in one. Oh, wow. On that course, one of the most famous holes in the world. It's in the hole! It was not in the hole, Bill. Um, and I was, I've never been so heartbroken. Have you ever had a hole in one? Yes, one. Uh, but anyway, so. Was it the greatest moment of your life? No. 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 It was pretty good, though. <laughs> it was with my dad and my son. Oh, well, that's, so, uh, that, oh, wow. that, yeah. yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah. Show but, off. But anyway, so, but we've got this caddy. And that's part of the reason the round is so expensive, is every group has a, a four caddy. He helps out all the guys in the, uh, and I'm sorry, it was two couples in our group. Um, and it helps you theoretically clean your clubs, a ball, whatever, points out. You don't want to go there. You want to go there. It's 170 yards, blah, 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 blah. But this kid was terrible. He was terrible. It was like he'd never been on a golf course. He would literally, and, and listen, if you're a golfer, you know how this is. You'd be taking your claw back, and he'd, like, walk three feet past you. I mean, he would close enough to touch. He'd be, like, moving and talking, and he'd, uh, he'd just give you the wrong information. And I was constantly, he'd say, yep, 170 yards. And I'd hit the 170-yard club and soar 40 yards past the green. <laughs> be like, What? Wait, give me that thing, that little yardage thing. He was terrible. But, and, and I'm, I'm trying to decide whether to complain in an official way. Cause the, it could be a lot cheaper if you didn't have like a roving professional annoyance bothering me at all times. <laughs> I don't want him. I got my little gizmo. I can get the yardages myself. But he's some so kid. So it's pretty expensive though? Some, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll the, tell you. The only time I will complain about stuff if it's super expensive, because I, yes. I think you ought to expect things to be pretty great if it's expensive. Yeah. I don't complain at Denny's if my eggs are runny. Well, I listen. <laughs> the, Another uh, serving, please. It, it was, uh, just so you understand, it's a once-in-a-lifetime, yes, I played this golf course thing. Right. That we did it. How do you like 250 bucks a person? Ooh. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. For a, for a good, not great golf course. Now the location's ridiculous. I mean, it's just it's fantastic. <laughs> they got a floating green. Uh, <laughs> but and evidently they employ clowns to follow you around and make it difficult to play, play golf. How the fuck you missed that putt? And I'd say for no extra charge, but there's a significant extra charge, and then you got a late uh, tip on a kid. Hmm. And you know what? Again. Hell of a nice young man. Sure. Really nice kid. But obviously, they just go out and they beat the bushes. And they say, listen, can you be a a, 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 a guide? What kind of guide? Uh, I don't know, a hunting guide. Yeah, I guess. So there you are. Like, people got their guns. Hey, there's a bird. I, you can shoot that. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. What kind of bird? You can't shoot all birds. I don't know. Shoot it. Then we'll, we'll look at his feathers. We'll figure out what it is. I got a book at home. I'll call you. Hey, how many? What's the limit on these fish? I don't know. It's a pretty big boat. We could probably hold about 100 of them. No, you don't understand. They're laws. No. It's, 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 so, you know. It, it, it was charmingly uh, unpretentious. How yeah. about that? Hey, you'd think it would be pretentious when you pay $250 a person to play golf. Yeah. In fact, I might not even mind a little bit of that. But I don't know. It is what it is. And some people got real problems. Oh, yeah. I just oh, thought yeah. it was oh, yeah. kind of amusing. And honestly, we, we ate some fabulous meals. We ate one meal where I swear to God, the chef he showed up for work that day and picked up a spatula and said, what's this? <laughs> tell you, if you are unemployed, go to Coeur d'Alene in the summertime. They, you pick your gig. You could probably perform vascular surgery if they're shorthanded enough. Probably hire you up for 15 bucks an hour. What is this thing? What do you do with this? Yeah. You slip that under the egg, then you turn it over. All right. Why? Because people want both the... Never mind. Just when I tell you to turn the egg over, turn it over. All right. I was, I was a hunting guide yesterday. I'll be a caddy tomorrow. Yeah, God dang it, boy, but it's pretty. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Who is Ted Cruz talking to and in what setting? Uh, so this was on the, the floor of one of these committee things. Ted Cruz was up on the bench. The... Ted Cruz is senator from Texas. Yes. Uh, Positive it... Sean, the producer of the Armstrong and Getty Show speaking. Let's identify everyone. Thank you, Joe Getty. Thank you. Uh... You're welcome. Uh, and he was talking to the the VP of Who Google. Am I? am I just a faceless, nameless, floating head over here? Well, pretty much. <laughs> All right, back to back to Sean. He was talking to the uh, Google VP, and he was talking to him about uh, the censorship of specifically uh, right wing content on YouTube. One of the companies that has been demonetized by Google repeatedly is Prager University. Dennis Prager is sitting here. He will be testifying on the next panel. Uh, Mr. Prager is, in my judgment a highly learned, erudite individual, studied and well thought on a great many issues. And in my experience, I've always found that I learn when listening to Mr. Prager, whether I happen to agree with a particular issue or yet or not. And yet, YouTube actively censors the content Mr. Prager is producing. Is it your view that Mr. Prager is somehow disseminating dangerous ideas or, or ideas that fit into the bucket you were talking about of violent extremism or, or hate speech? Uh, no, Senator. Maybe if I can just explain. Mr. Mr. Prager is a YouTube success story. Mr. T. Prager has more than two million uh, uh, followers, as I understand it. Um, Mr. Prager's, uh, and, and all of Mr. Prager's content is available on YouTube, the, the, the main YouTube channel. We do have um, a very small percent of our subscribers who opt for what we call restricted mode. These are mostly institutions like churches or perhaps schools where there's certain um, more mature content that they choose not to have access to. Now, this is less than 2% of the overall YouTube watchers, but we do feel it's important that to give those those institutions that degree of control. Okay, uh, pause there, there is, if you could, because I find that pretty interesting, because um, I'm, I'm needing to put some sort of filter on my YouTube before I can ever let my kids go into the world of YouTube. 
But the idea that it would block out Dennis Prager's stuff is pretty odd, if you've ever watched any of it. Yeah. It's just a bunch of erudite's a good word, but a bunch of, like, 400-level college discussions of the size of government and the role of government and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's, it's... Right. One and thing, it's not as controversial in my mind. I don't know how it would be controversial to anybody. Well, for instance, PragerU has had some uh, videos that are critical of uh, various Islamic governments. And Islamism is a system of government, harshly critical, and those have gotten banned as hate speech. And listen, Dennis Prager is more than smart enough to understand that explanation from that YouTube spokeshole. And uh, he rejects that explanation. Uh, YouTube has put a number of his videos, their videos, on the restricted list. And Prager says, we're living in America through the greatest assault on free speech in American history. If it is pro-America, if it's pro-Israel, if it's pro-religion, it's likely to be censored by Google or YouTube, he said. Interesting. Can I hear a little more of uh, Cruz in this dude? There is a small percent of Mr. Prager's overall content, as I understand it, less than a quarter of his content, that is deemed to be in that category of more mature. And so for that very small percentage, they will not have access to Mr. Prager's um, more mature content. Other than that, it is complete. And, th- and just to be clear, these are, this is content, for instance, it may be perfectly acceptable to watch, but for those, perhaps references to violence or war or rape, things like that. So that's the, so that's the basis. My understanding, just for the record, is, is that uh, PragerU has produced 325-minute videos and that YouTube has censored 56 of them, so roughly 20%. Among those that are censored inc- include a video on the Ten Commandments. Uh, another one censored includes a video on the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, the restrictions are purportedly for blocking things like pornography, but apparently in YouTube's world, talking about the Ten Commandments and, and the nation of Israel is comparable and, and, and should be blocked. Respectfully, Senator, that's not right. So what I was trying to explain is... All of Mr. Prager's, those, those, the Ten Commandments, all those are available to 98% of YouTube viewers. 98.5, I believe. 1.5% of our viewers have, in, have activated, again, this restricted mode. Churches, uh, schools, maybe libraries that don't want to have their viewers uh, uh, exposed to more mature content. The video, I believe the Ten Commandments video, for instance, contains references to murder and I believe potentially Nazism or World War II, something along those lines. There are other videos that have in that category, in the, the number that you reference, 56, whatever it is, that may make reference to rape. That's the reason. But they're not censored. They are simply, they're available to everybody who's using normal YouTube. They are not available to the small subset who have chosen to activate restricted mode. You know, I'd like to know more about the truthfulness of what he's saying. If it is true, I get it. I find the the idea that you can't, uh, that people who have that setting can't watch a Ten Commandments video because it mentions adultery, which I read from a different article on the same And hearing. thou shalt not murder, so it mentions murder. Right, exactly. I find that to be uh, laughable, ridiculous. Uh, on the other hand... I'd like to know uh, also... Uh, on the other hand, Jordan Peterson 
isn't lying when he's saying YouTube and Google and Twitter are screwing him over and over again. Dave Rubin, gay classical liberal, is not lying when he says these websites are demonetizing him and screwing with him. It's, ben it's, Shapiro is not lying. It's happening on the left as well, too. Um, uh, Dave Pakman is probably the most famous example of a, a left YouTube commentator who has been having his stuff demonetized. And more and more, it's seeming like this is much more a corporate versus independent rather than a right versus left thing. Yeah, so this this guy you just mentioned, uh, I, I'd seen him before. I didn't know his name. He's got gazillions of followers, too, on the left. But YouTube funnels people away from him. He's he's figured out and it's trying to prove. And lots of other of your smaller things toward the big corporations like MSNBC's website, Washington Post's website. And again, uh-huh. it's not a right-left thing. It's a giant traditional corporate media because there's more money in it. If you get everybody going to those where the ads, YouTube does get money from the ads and the millions of people go that way instead of dispersed to all these independent voices, there's way more money involved in it for mm. YouTube. Mm. So it's there's all kinds of different ways it's difficult to get other opinions out there. I would like to know if I'm at the library and they've got that filter on, because there's a lot of crap on YouTube that, like, uh, kids shouldn't see. Oh, yeah. And I'd like to know how much of that is filtered out along with Prager's Ten Commandments thing, because I'm thinking there's a lot of stuff on there that's not filtered out that I would think, why is this not filtered out? Well, and the pervs and the scumbags of the world have gotten really good at fooling YouTube. They will have something labeled, you know, the Jolly Fun Time Hour. Right. And it starts in as that, and then the weird stuff begins. And Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't know. The Internet is a, a net negative. We ought to end it. Unplug it. <laughs> or take scissors and cut it. I, is that I, how it works? I, I've been saying for years I think it's a net negative. Right. There are some things I like about it, but overall, better life was better off before the Internet. Right. Unplug it. Right. Is anybody looking? You pull the plug. They got a battery backup? Yank those batteries out. Put them in a flashlight. Yeah, well. Now the oh, oh, oh I, this question because I still don't quite understand that what is what's why why can't YouTube just say we don't like Dennis Prager so we're not playing his stuff why can't they do that well they can do that if they'd like but I would ask that they be honest about it they so, claim but, otherwise but they aren't doing it out loud because they think it'll hurt their business is that why probably Google it yeah they don't want to uh, I mean obviously people like Ted Cruz would go crazy if they said you know on YouTube we uh, hate conservatives and we'd really like to promote a progressive view of the world and bring on the uh, the warm embrace of communism yeah. So there, 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 there. That is, there is that, and that's undoubtedly true. And Tucker's been on this other angle of Tucker Carlson on Fox about how the, Google's all about squeezing out the little guy, um, uh, independent voices out there, yeah. and and making you know making it a lot easier for the big corporate voices that all seem to think the same thing most right. of the time. Or their Chinese uh, communist partners, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's troubling. It is. Google's a, among the most powerful things that's ever been created on Earth. Yes. How that's going to turn out or how they're going to use it is interesting. Or how, how well our government's going to be at combating that, I don't know. I would say it's very, very dangerous at this point. And I'm not a paranoid you know, a conspiracy lunatic or anything. I think Google is a very large, it's a big, uncontrollable, super powerful, dangerous thing right now. And we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. F 
bombs have gone completely mainstream is one thing I learned on my vacation. Oh, no. Not not just in terms of people saying them, which has uh, been the case for quite some time. When I was a kid, you... God, you'd never hear an adult say that uh, in public around other kids. Now it's If you did, you'd talk about it for weeks. And, and now you do all the time, and it's been that way for a long time. I mean, I don't want to sound that out of touch. But... I don't know how many different places, touristy places I was in the L.A. area and in Vegas where and there's kids everywhere. I mean, this is like the gift shop um, at the hotel or whatever. Shirts that have F something in them. Really? Yeah, just on display or, wow. or wacky signs. I mean, it's just part of the novelty. Wow. Just okay, I guess. I don't, yeah, you know that I, don't, I don't believe in words as magic incantations. You know, I get how language evolves and we'll uh, invent new swears just to keep ourselves fresh. But there's no need for that. I, it's just so dumb. That's <laughs> what bothers me. That's rude. Come on. I say f- it. Oh, Arnold. See, Arnold Schwarzenegger's not helping I with say that. a few, huh? So I took my kids uh, to Legoland. The whole family went to Legoland before Sam and I went on our just father, son, him and me long road trip, which was a separate uh, a thing, but went to Legoland. I, I took my kids there years ago be, when it was good. <laughs> um, a land of Legos yeah, seems like a paradise for seven-year-old oh, me. It's oh. astounding, isn't it? Oh Well, it, it's amazing to me from an entrepreneurial standpoint that they took this product that had been around forever. Legos existed before I was born. Yeah. And they were a thing. They were the same thing for years. They, they were okay toy. They're fine. Sure. They're just you little square a little square blocks. In fact, they had a, bu- a bunch building. of places. <laughs> they had a bunch of places where you could play with Legos, and all they had was the Legos I grew up with, just different lengths of rectangles. And I told my kids, I said, this is what Legos was, were when I was your age. This right. is all there was. Which blew their minds. I mean, there were no wheels or windshields or, I mean, just people. I mean, there was none of that sort of stuff. Oh, you can make people. They had unusually large feet and their arms always stuck well, straight had, out. And you had to tell somebody it was a person right. before they would know it was a person. Right. And now they have... What is that, a robot? Well, gazillions of different characters you can make for Lego. Behind the desk, when you check in, it's a wall of Lego characters, which my uh, Henry, who's obsessed with Legos, just... He couldn't stop staring at the wall. From the moment we got out of the Uber and walked into the building, Henry was yelling, this is the greatest day of my life! Wow. Which is, you know, that's a win for a vacation. Yeah, I'd say. If your kid is saying that. That's great. But, so, Henry, my youngest, if you uh, if you haven't heard me talk about this, he's he's got a variety of problems. We think we know what they are. We're not sure. We're seeing specialists. But he, he doesn't go to school. He, he, he hardly ever leaves the house. He rarely wears clothes. So for him to be able to, and we're on lots of medication now, so things were getting better, and uh, we thought we could pull off this vacation one night, a 24-hour trip, tried to pull it off, got all the get medica- in, medication dialed on, yeah. had him with headphones on all the time so the noise didn't send him off on a screaming fit or just fall apart or whatever, and um, so he was able to tolerate it mostly through the whole trip, but the highlight of my whole trip, and I have trouble thinking about it or I'll get too emotional, but the highlight of my whole trip was uh, they, they had their own. What a great idea. We stayed in the Ninjago room, which mm. is a, a Lego cartoon thingy, which they absolutely love. Again, I'm uncomfortable with that name. Sounds like a racial slur. <laughs> it's, it's about ninjas. It's fine. Yeah. But, but in mm. the in the Legoland uh, California Bunch of Hotel. Ninjago's moving into the neighborhood, I tell you <laughs> oh what. Oh, my God. I know. It's objectionable. Anyway. So they have a kid's disco going on <sighs> from 6 until 9 at night, and it was just like a nightclub. 
Only it was for children. Wow. And it was dark in there with thumping music, and they play all the thumping music that's so popular now. And they got a disc jockey spinning songs and everything like that. And he's got his microphone, and he's going around saying, Hey, what's your name? Oh, you're saying, Hey, Sam is in the house. Big hand for Sam. And everybody's, and everybody's <laughs> yeah. dancing around. Wow. Like that. <laughs> it's wow. absolutely hilarious. But both my kids ran in there, and I didn't even know if Henry would do it all. Um, and he ran in there with his headphones on, and he started dancing around, and he was spinning on his back trying to do uh, break dancing and stuff. <laughs> yes. Just loving it. And the announcer oh, said, man. hey, Henry, here's got the moves. Everybody check out Henry's moves. And he was, it was the most normal moment he's ever had in his entire life. Wow, that's Like being great. the closest he's been to a normal kid ever, doing other things other kids were doing, people watching him, just stuff like that, peers, and it was just, oh. Wow. It almost killed me watching him and get to have that moment and how rare it is, unfortunately. Hopefully that will be fixed with the right doctors and medication. But, oh, oh, it was just, I would have paid a million dollars for that. Uh, you know, I realized. He was it. so comfortable and happy, it, which might have been the first time he's comfortable in the seven and a half uh, years he's been alive. I, I realize it's all very complicated, but uh, do you hope that maybe that, that, that was a not a breakthrough exactly, but progress. Just oh, it's gotta he be, felt comfortable among yeah. people and doing stuff, and had to be might a, be able to do it again. Yeah, it had to be a huge mental hurdle for him, right? That yeah, that that I have done this. God, and but can't his do it. enthusiasm for the thing overcame. Yeah. You know, I think the headphones might be a huge key to it, and that's just kind of accidentally. He, he the noises bother him, but he he can't handle stimulation, lights, sounds, all this sort of stuff, and maybe the the sound. I've thought about. I might start wearing headphones. The world is so loud now. Yes. So much louder than it used to be. If you ever get out into the woods or the mountains or something, then you finally realize, oh, yeah, this is what life is supposed to sound like. Almost silent, except for a little bit of wind and a bird. But everywhere you go in the modern world, especially in urban areas, is so punishingly loud. And they decided that it it, it stimulates our appetite. It makes us drink more. It makes us eat more. It makes us think fun things are happening. So... Every restaurant, bar, the gas station with the TV blaring at you while you fill up with gas. Everywhere you go is so so loud. And I just wondered, I might try wearing headphones for a day, just out and about, going to the store, getting gases, and just see how much quieter the world seems, how much calmer we all might be if we didn't have so much freaking stimulation all the time. People assume you're pumping the jams, but you could use those little foamy earplugs. Yeah. I'd be up for that. Man, we on our vacation, we kayaked a lot. And we, we rafted some and just spent a lot of time in quiet places. And, oh, my God, it was great. It's fabulous. I mentioned this uh, tour guide on the rafting trip. And at, at a couple of points, I really emphasized how great the quiet was. It's the quiet that draws me to these places. <laughs> the quiet. Hell of a nice kid. But I'd heard just about enough about what he planned to study in, school, in college. Kid and, got a mouth like a motorboat. <laughs> yeah. but uh, well, well, that's great, though. Happy for Henry. Fantastic. What, and then what, you took Sam to Sin City. Las Vegas, yeah. I'll have to talk about that. Um, amazing. Here's 100 bucks, son. Try not to blow it. And that girl at the bar doesn't actually like you. The guy... I realize you're nine. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that worked for the Lego Corporation that came up with the idea of, what if we had a movie about Legos and featured Legos and made different shit? That guy, I don't know what sort of bonus he got, right. but it transformed the stupid little blocks from when we were kids right. that were fine into this just massive... Thing right worth billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, it was funny. I didn't want to interrupt your story, but who was the Lee Iacocca of of Lego right. that said 
Listen, I, I'd like to propose something. I realize this is outrageous, but I, I'd ask everybody to give it a fair hearing. How about non-rectangles? Uh, circles? Uh, triang- triangles? Triangles! Probably ran him out of the meeting. Had him fired. What if, what if we basically make the models... But all the parts snap together instead of gluing them. And together. we have uh, instructions for kids to put them together. Now I tell for you, for all age groups, the, the whole instructions. Hopefully, up to forty-year-old childless men. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that it's now not about free creation. Now it's more about following directions and doing something pre-planned. There's an aspect of that that bothers me a little bit, but I don't know. My kids love them too. I like doing them so. Because you come up with these fabulous creations, and they're fun, and they're not all rectangles. Mm-hmm. Got little heads and lights and swords. If your kid says this is the greatest day of his life on your vacation, then you've uh, you've picked the right spot. Yeah, yeah, that's a win. Of course, then you got to replicate that throughout the years, and that's not easy to do. No, you're doomed. You're doomed. The moon, maybe? Next summer, math camp. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.